Hello and welcome to another mat chat with me, Mina, where I invite friends to sit on a yoga mat with me, as it were, and share thoughts on all things well-being. My intention is to leave you feeling empowered. If you want to know more about what I do and the personal mat chat yoga practice I offer, then please visit my website, minablair.com. Today, I've invited my friend Sarah onto the mat. A keen yogi herself, she's also a multi-faith minister, spiritual counsellor, and founder of Zephorium Soul Tonics. So today, Sarah, we're going to talk about the importance of finding joy. We're going to cover why it's important, what it is, where is joy, and sometimes why it can be hard to find, and then maybe finish a bit about our dogs, our special friends. So let's kick off on why finding joy is important. What a fantastic topic to be chatting about today. I think one of the things that can be so um, alluring for so many people is this search for something that they can never get hold of. And one of those things I hear people say all the time is that I would just like to feel joy. Exactly. Um, it is It is exactly that. And I think it has a number of important aspects, hasn't it, Joy? So first of all, really key to healing um, in the way that we can use the joy and the chemicals that are related to joy, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, and also really important in just balancing out our emotional well-being, isn't it? I think it really is. When we're looking at joy so when we're looking at facebook or looking at other people on social media having a great time it can be very um we can we can just think that the whole world is having joy except for ourselves and i think it's so important to look at why joy is not a constant state of being if it was a constant state of being we wouldn't have we wouldn't know joy because i think you need the light and shade in order to really know what you do want and what you don't want and the times when it's dark for us or we're struggling we are clutching at joy because we know that having re reached the depths of something we can reach out and find something that feels good and that balance is really important and it's and as you say in the in the darker moments uh so helpful to know that there is something like joy that can bring us back into that balance of emotional well-being. And I think for me, the other thing that's important is when we're joyful in ourselves, it brings joy to others, doesn't it? It attracts more joy. It certainly does. I mean, we all know what it's like to be around a misery guts and somebody who brings the whole room down. It's really depressing and you can't get out fast enough. But when you're in the room with somebody who is light and who radiates, whose energy is light and who radiates joy, then you just want to stick yourself to them with super glue and never leave them. I think that's true. And I think for a lot of people, that is something that we miss. Uh, I, I think sometimes we overlook the fact that we radiate uh, a completely different energy when we are in our own contentment, when we're feeling happy and, and joyful. And it's the sort of feeling that is in a way contagious, isn't it? Just like you say, it's like when we hear the expression, smile and the world smiles with you. There is a lot in that, isn't there? 
There certainly is. And I feel that it's it's almost our duty to to work on finding joy so that we can be an uplifter as we move you know, around in our daily life. It's really important that we that we are spreading that joy rather than spreading misery. And it's very easy to go into the moan and groan society and then everybody starts to descend into a pit of despair. And it's harder for some reason to hold joy. But I try and make it my mission when I walk into a room to find that joy before I walk into the room and then to to be an uplifter so that everybody can feel it. I don't always manage it, but that's my aim because I, I want to be one of the people who make people feel good. I agree. And I think I have noticed, though, and I do sometimes notice this in myself, if I'm honest, that it is easier to fall into that draw of being miserable and moaning the moan and groan thing that you were just talking about and I'm curious about that and I do wonder why in our human nature we tend to be more drawn into that negativity and therefore it feels slightly harder to sort of come out and and work with the joy um but absolutely I I think that's what makes it all the more important isn't it that because we may have that draw it's important to come out it does. And I think it can be a cultural thing as well. You know, people it, and, and a lot to do with the weather. People who live in the hotter climates don't seem to struggle with it as much as we do. You know, when I'm thinking of Latin American and Spanish and, and some of the European countries that are nearer the equator because they're in warmth and light, literally with their physical surroundings. It's much easier to embrace that when you live further towards the poles it's harder. The weather is darker. Um, you don't get so much sunshine. And I think it definitely affects our state of being. That reminds me of something um, I read uh, the other day, actually, that um, when humans are in situations where it's feeling like we need to survive a bit more um, and we're focused, we're focused on that, um, it is therefore less of a priority to feel joyful because if you are defended or if you're trying to survive and you're focusing on on your basic needs something like finding joy kind of falls down on the priority list so that would probably relate to the warmer weather when you're more comfortable physically it therefore feeds into feeling more comfortable emotionally as well i agree and it can be a habit you know if you're brought up in an environment that is full of joy and life and wonderful experiences and sharing and community, you're going to feel that sense of joy much, much easier and quicker than people who are not brought up in that environment. So for some of us, we have to go hunting for it more than others. Mm. So perhaps if we chat a little bit about what joy actually is, and um, I did a little bit of of research and and just at its basic, the chemicals that make us feel joyful, that influence uh, happiness, are the things that we've probably heard, things like oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, and endorphins. That all sounds like a very kind of sexy cocktail of things, but it all obviously is a chemical balance in our body that makes us feel good. Um, But it's also something a little bigger than that, isn't it, Sarah? It is. I think it is important to understand the chemical balance because, um, you know, both you and I are in the menopause, which is a very interesting when the menopause kicks in and suddenly you become someone else with a different set of hormones. 
and it's a very real experience and I'm sure a lot of women who are listening to this can are nodding and saying yes I absolutely know what you're talking about but it's important with the chemicals to keep them in balance because having a balance of your of the hormones in the body is the thing that keeps us in alignment with the bigger picture the all is wellness because it can be so easy to tip into despair or, or um, into sadness or grief and the chemical balance I think if you do suffer from menopause or if people have got hormonal problems and for other reasons it's very important to try and keep that balance because it's we are basically our hormones our hormones dictate how we feel and therefore it seems to me that we need to actually work on that chemical balance if it goes awry. That's true. And I think the kind of almost the challenge that we have, certainly in our society here, is that we have a really quick fix, isn't it? It's called uh, hormone replacement. It's called drugs, where we can literally go to our doctors and we can ask for the chemicals that give us joy, as it were. We can get these antidepressants that all work around serotonin and dopamine and all these things. And so in a way, it, we can do that in such a way that we don't have to perhaps consider the big picture and try harder to find a way of balancing these chemicals ourselves. I think that's really interesting, Mina, because um, in my counseling work, I do a lot of work with addiction and addiction recovery. And I I believe that we're actually hardwired in our brain for happiness. Um, and that the reason why people take drugs or, uh, or drink or go into addictive patterns of behavior is because really all we're seeking is to feel better. So something within us doesn't feel right, we don't feel good. And everything within our beingness is saying, find a way to feel better. Find a way to improve your hormone balance find a way to do it. And so we maybe we're drinking or whatever we're doing, shopping, maybe shopping feels really good for five minutes. Um, but what happens is we get that hit of the happy hormones, the dopamine or whatever it is that we're needing. And then we become addicted to that. And of course, that's one way of doing it. But ultimately, long term, it doesn't work because we keep having to have that thing that is stimulating our brain and our hormones in order to feel better. Um, and so, you know, my passion is to find it in a natural way, um, using our using our mind in a different way to find that happiness. Absolutely. And this brings us to the third question we were going to talk about today, which is um, where is joy? And as we've just mentioned there, it's something that we outsource way too much. Um, it could be in the form of going to the doctor and actually asking for joy in pill form. Um, but also you mentioned the shopping, you, you mentioned the addictions, you mentioned, for example, um, we seek joy in partners, in careers, in all manner of things. And it's all out there, isn't it? It's all, if I could just find the thing, the person, the job, whatever, it's out there, then I'll feel really happy. And that's, that's, the, that's the issue, isn't it? It is, because... I think we all get to a point where we realize at some time in our life that that is not going to make us feel better. It's chasing rainbows. It never works. And I've done it myself. Um, I know you have, you know, everyone I know has, you know, if I just 
do that, all will be well. If that person wasn't in my life, all would, will be well. And it doesn't work like that. The, the, the reality is to find joy no matter what. No matter what. And I think choosing to find joy, making it a choice, making it a conscious choice, is part of being a healthy human being. Absolutely. And I agree. And I think the, the challenge that we face, certainly in our society, is that with the digital world, everything we think that makes us happy is, is kind of a click away, isn't it? I mean, every, it's like the whole modern life is, is, a, is based on the fastest way to joy. And it's all about clicking and swiping and then you're there. And it's immediate, it's instant, no effort is required. And yet, like you said, it's absolutely short-lived. I mean, just give it even just an, an hour or two or days. And it, things that, that sort of feel good, the sort of the novelty wears off, doesn't it? And then you find yourself back in that place of feeling lacking, of feeling unfulfilled, like something's missing, you know? And we, we seem to struggle with being able to see that we need to change the way we're thinking about this and the way that we act. Yes, and I think working with the addictive mind is definitely part of, of becoming whole and healthy and finding joy and understanding how the brain works. When we understand that we need certain hormones in order to feel joy, then we have a choice of how we get those hormones. It doesn't have to be reaching for the bottle or reaching for the credit card or swiping or clicking something that arrives that we look at and think, why did I order that? You know, it's it's a really we're in such an interesting stage of humanity because we can have most things immediately except the things that we really, really, really want, which is love and friendship and joy. Exactly. And these things that you just described there are ultimately residing inside ourselves. And because we are so externally facing it's, it's easy to forget that, but it's hard to connect to, isn't it, Sarah, that joy that is inside you. And I think one of the first reasons that we were thinking about why it's so hard to find is that it takes discipline, right? It takes effort. It does. When, when you think about a baby, when they first come into the world and the first thing they do is latch on to mummy, if they're lucky, and get fed by someone else. Everything from that moment on is about relying on other people. And, and obviously, it's part of our needs as a human being to be in community and to be loved and to learn to love. But we have to find this sense of self-discipline. We really do need to, to take control of this, to uh, take personal responsibility about how we create joy in our lives. And part of that responsibility is, is accepting that you are the creator of your own reality. And I think what makes me a bit sad sometimes is the prevalence of the blame culture. You know, when things go wrong, it's just got to be someone else's fault, isn't it? So if you're not feeling joyful, who can you blame? It's got to be, it's got to be your past. It's got to be your boss. It's got to, it's got to be something or somebody else. And I think that taking accountability of your own joy is, is therefore hard. Um, but once you find it, there's joy unconfined, basically, isn't there? Yeah. When I first was looking at all, you know, my own personal growth many years ago, and 
I came, I read somewhere, I think that, you know, you are the creator of your, your own reality many 25 years ago. And that hit me like a bolt because suddenly there was no one else to blame. And I had to really sit down and think, oh my God, am I that powerful? Am I so powerful that I can create misery? And of course, looking around the world, I would say, yes, we are, because, you know, as humans and collectively, we have a choice to create joy or misery in every moment. And that's the ultimate choice. Um, and this is where I say discipline is so important. For most of us, we have to work it. It's not something that is just a natural state. Some people are born gloriously happy and joyful and they float through life and god bless them for that but for many of us who've had maybe more challenging upbringings we have to find the discipline in order to do the processes that we need to do to find the joy so that might be meditation it could be yoga it could be walking the dogs it could be going fishing staring at clouds whatever it is just to quiet the mind from that addiction that's always looking for the for the next hit um, and to find and have great respect for that brain that is looking for joy, because that's why we're no longer living in caves. And every day, you know, I thank the universe for pain relief or dentists or something, because somebody down the line has followed their joy and thought, wouldn't it be lovely if we could create pain relief? Absolutely. And you made a really important point then. I want to repeat it because... You said in order to do all the things you just described there, you have to be in the present moment. You just can't be in your past. You can't be hankering after what's going to happen next in the future. And I'm going to, am, am I going to get here, there or wherever? You've got to be completely present in order to connect to it because it's just not something that you can buy. It's not something that you can be given. It's not something that can be done for you. You've got to be absolutely grounded in the moment to connect to it, just like you described there. Yes, and that's the tricky part, for, again, for lots of people, because you know it's very difficult to meditate in our culture, as we know, because we're so overstimulated all the time. To find that stillness is, um, is the discipline that we are required. And the busier our lives get, the more social media, the more influence we have on things that are very fleeting, um, you know, TikTok or, or, or um, Instagram, it's all quick, 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 quick. And the brain gets used to that and seeks more of that, but it doesn't necessarily take us to the place that we're wanting to go to. Mm. So slowing down is a great way to try and find joy. And one of my, well, one of one, what I like to do in the summer is I like to go to a little place down by the river when I'm walking the dog and I see how small I can see so basically, I start by seeing the birds, and then I might see a little fish in the, in the river, and then I'll see insects, and then I'll see ants, and then I'll see tiny little critters that seem to be just there. And I try and take my vision smaller and smaller, but to a place of stillness, when you're just not thinking of anything. And I find that's a really good way of doing it. So it, it's, it's becoming stiller and slower and smaller not getting bigger. If you want a peaceful mind, I, I truly believe that we need to start looking at the small things again. I think that's a really beautiful practice that you just described there. It's something we can easily do, in fact, and anywhere, anywhere where we're at. And I think in time, if we keep doing a practice like that, it instills in us an ability to 
to, as you say, to slow down and to stop this need to constantly fill the space, fill it with, with sound or fill it with noise or fill it with some distraction to just let it be very still. And um, I do, you know, I had taken me time to, to, to develop practices like this myself. I know how hard finding stillness and then being able to stay in stillness, how difficult that is. But once you are there, the, that peace, that sense of peace and calm and sort of a very deep contentment is the way I can sort of think of it. It, it, it is absolutely there, but you've got to give it time and you've got to be disciplined and know that it's there and trust it. It's got to be about trusting it. Trusting it. Absolutely. I think that's a really important point to trust what the silence may offer us. And I think you can feel lots of things when you're not in the silence or the stillness. So we can feel exhilaration, we can feel fun, we can feel laughter. But joy seems to be something that is a solo experience to me. I think we can have joy within us and then it spreads outwards to others, but it never works the other way. You can't, you can't receive joy unless you're joyful. Mm. So when we're holding on to joy and we're in the silence and the stillness, that is the place to, to linger and embrace it, to try and stay there really for, you know, 15, 20 minutes and just hold it as a treasure that's been given to you by your brain, by your inner being, by the universe as something that is just for you. And in that holding on to it, it becomes the gift that you share with others. But of course, only those who are able to receive joy. Uh, yes, indeed. And I was just thinking there about, um, about the dogs that we have. Uh, you've got a dog and uh, I actually have a dog. Um, I used to be a cat owner, uh, always swore by cats, never had a dog in my life. And then it's a long story, but anyway, I got a dog and it has, I kid you not, transformed my life. And one of the reasons why it has transformed my life is the pure joy that is the dog. I mean, when I look at Barley and how he runs around and then he meets Bertie and they fly around the bush and, and this expression, joy unconfined, I had not understood what that meant until I saw our two dogs tearing through the bush, completely unrestrained, just in the moment. And honestly, it was, I just felt my heart double in size. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. And our dogs are great mates, aren't they? They're best buddies and they have such a wonderful time together. And they both have that incredible ability to, you know, let go and let God, of, or whatever you want to call it, let go and allow themselves. So when I watch them flying around, one is one of my dog is very small and your dog is super large. So they're very comical to watch together and they roll around and dive on each other. But they have no no worry at all about what's coming and no worry at, at all about what's been they are absolutely in the moment of allowing and that's the gift that they offer me to just think wow could i ever be like that i think i said to you once i have actually considered having a tin of dog food and seeing if that brings me joy and an energy like that <laughs> but uh, i haven't yet tried it but i am considering it <laughs> 
Well, if you do try it and you feel joyful, let me know and I'm going to join you. But um, I, I, do, I, I did find that that was absolutely amazing to, to, to watch the joy in the dogs and how, how natural it was. And then also through my relationship with Barley, understanding that that joy was always there for him. He was, if you think about it, a, a, a dog, at least not my dog, is he's he's never not open for a joyful moment. I mean, it's 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 always on offer, and that mm. is the thing that really touched me as well. It's in his eyes. It's how when I approach him, he lifts his paw as an offering of love and and of joy. He's he's always on. He's always on, and I think this is the thing that we as humans can learn a lot from is to look at the dogs and see how it's just right there it's not even a thought for the dog it just is it's joy right there well they they have the wonderful experience of not having the intellectual mind that we've got that analyzes everything in every moment so they are able to let go in a way that is that in a way that children can who are unfettered by difficulties if they're happy children we see the same in in young children and i remember a little girl saying to me once she came up to me, I must have been looking sad. And she said, the trouble with you is you just don't play enough. And I thought that was just such a wonderful thing to say. <laughs> I think that's absolutely lovely. I mean, yes, exactly. Yeah. And children, again, they, they don't have the constraints. They get to, the, you know, when they're young, they haven't yet learned to sort of restrain themselves. And so the expression unconfined joy, as you've just described, can often, often be found in small children who just say what's on their mind, you know, and I think that's absolutely beautiful. What a lovely, what a lovely thing to sort of think about. And I think she's right. We don't play enough. And this is what <laughs> the dogs are telling us. They say, you're not playing enough. You, they're probably looking at us Sarah, and saying, why aren't they running around chasing each other like we are? They're just standing there talking, talking, talking. <laughs> and thinking, 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 and trying to find joy instead of being joy. Yeah, I think we, so next time we meet Mina, I think I'm gonna run up to you and then we just run through the woods in gay abandon and just see what happens. Absolutely. I think that's a really good idea. We shall definitely uh, consider that. That will probably put uh, a smile on the dog's faces, wouldn't it, if we did? Yes, I think they would love it. And I think that's the perfect place to stop this joyful discussion about joy. Um, and uh, thank you, Sarah, for having a chat with me about this. And um, we will certainly do it again very soon. Thank you and see you soon, Mina. Okay. Bye.